Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings so we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yay. Happy day. Happy day. Welcome back. So before we dive in again, we have a really cool guest today. We are going to tell you about the Yana podcast, why we started this thing. So Carly and I both work for NAMI. Yes, we do, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, We are the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization, and we have the privilege of getting to serve and work with the NAMI Philadelphia, Pennsylvania affiliate. Yeah, and so we do a bunch of different things at NAMI, and one of the things that we do is offer some educational programming, and one of the educational pro- programs that we offer is Ending the Silence, and Ending the Silence is a teen mental health awareness program where we go to schools, colleges, youth programs, many, all the things, all the things. and we talk about mental health, and we, you know, go through warning signs and suicide prevention and what to do, but we also pair it with a young person who shares the their their own mental health journey, the story of their journey. So with COVID um, and everything being, the, you know, happening the way it did, we can't really do things the way we typically were doing. So we still wanted to try to figure out a way to reach young people and give young people a platform in which they can talk about mental health and share stories <clears throat> and <clears throat> grow. And <laughs> so therefore, oh dear, unto us, the Yana podcast was born. The Yana podcast was born. And I have to tell you, I just reconnected with some of my English friends from when I lived in England and <laughs> they were making fun of me for my English accent. So I wouldn't blame them about it. I love you. <laughs> no, I'm self-conscious. You're great. But yeah, so then we came up with the Yana podcast. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And what does Yana stand for? You are, you are not alone. We were really creative in our coming up with the name. <laughs> so that, creative. yeah, so creative. It was, you know, one of those where we were like, this is perfect. So here we are. And today we have a really cool guest who we love a lot and know personally. And mm-hmm. um, Becca's going to tell you a little bit about her. And then we're going to, you know, get down yeah. to business. All right. So today's guest is Carolyn Rossiter. She was born and raised in New York. 
She loves writing, hiking, and spending time with friends. Carolyn works as an eating disorder and an LGBTQ plus advocate, educating people through her stories of her lived experience. In her brutally honest memoir, Diet Pills and Broken Dreams, Stories I Could Not Tell, which is made up of pieces from her journal, Carolyn describes the battle that engulfed her mind and body self-loathing and reckless behaviors that continued on through her teenage years through her early 30s. She has a YouTube channel, which she'll tell you about. Uh, she also helps her wife with her business. And um, well, she'll tell you more about that at the end where you can. So anyway, hi, Carolyn. Welcome. Oh, Carolyn. <laughs> We're excited. We love you. Yeah. Oh, I love you guys. Yes, I remember I the first. Michelle, I want to like move there and like. Yes, you need that, to but... come on, come on down. I remember yeah. the first time that we met you guys. I was like, she's the cool. You guys are the coolest couple, and you really yes. are both so incredibly involved in like mental health advocacy, and you're both like forces to be reckoned with. So I was really, I felt really grateful to have you on the podcast and share your story because you and I relate to each other on a lot in a lot of ways. So. I was happy that you were able to come on and tell your story. Yeah. And also, since we last saw you, you got married. Congratulations. Yeah, yes. Congratulations. <laughs> pandemic. I know. Oh, my gosh. And your wedding pictures were so cute. You guys are the cutest. I know. Thanks. You're welcome. So cute. Oh, my gosh. My heart is bursting. So. It was supposed to be, you know, at a restaurant, brunch little thing. And then it was at a park. Right, with masks on. Masks on. Yeah, well, you guys <laughs> oh. never look better with those masks on, man. Thanks. You rocked you rock the masks for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wanted to jump in and do our little check-in. Every single time we do our podcast, we check in with each other and we just see kind of where we're at. And I asked a silly icebreaker question just to lighten the mood a bit. So my question of the day mm-hmm. is, what is your like pump up song, right? Like everybody has like a song that like pumps them up or that gets them in the mood if they're like going to do a presentation or an interview or if they're like at home and they just like need to dance around. Does anyone have a pump? Do you guys have a pump up song? I like so that's Pleasure. gonna be your question. That's gonna be the question. So first I'll check in and then I'll answer my pump up song and then Becca will check in and then Carolyn will check in. So how am I doing? I am doing great. I'm freezing because here in good old Philly, it is snowing a lot and freezing. So every, everyone is cold and it's just one of those, one of those days. Um, but I'm doing really well. Um, busy, 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 which keeps my mind busy, which I love. I always say I'd rather be busy than bored because when I'm bored, then I get into like all kinds of weird feelings. So being busy is good. Um, my pump up song is, and like, this just describes me any, any song by Britney Spears by far is my pump up song. Like it could be literally like a slow ballad and I'm pumped up because it's Britney. And to me, Britney is an icon and I will always stand Britney Spears. So specifically I'm going to curse her work bitch song gets me fired up. Gets me fired up. I don't know what it is. It's the dumbest song that ever existed, but every time I hear it, I'm like, yes. 
So it's a fun time, but anything by Britney Spears. Is that the one that starts with I'm Britney bitch? Um, no, <laughs> no, but it's like, it's just or it's good. Britney bitch. What yes, I think, I, yes, is it? I think it is. Oh my gosh. And I should know that, but I don't, I'm going to find out. Um, find I out. think it is because the other day I posted a meme oh. that said that thing and I used the song to go with it for the stories. That's my new thing. For Amazing. This is adding music. Yes. I love it. It's just good. It's just good. But, so that's it. That's me. Anything by Britney Spears gets me in the mood. So Becca, how are you? I'm a little all over the place. I don't know. Um, I'm a little all over the place. Like, I mean, I'm still doing this trauma treatment that we've been working on. So I get like, yeah, that's a lot. And a lot of emotions are coming out. But um, this weekend, I reconnected with my with these friends that I had from when I lived in England. Wow. Years ago. And oh, sounds so old. But um, and we've had a group chat on WhatsApp. They all live, well, most of them live in England, but there's one that lives in Russia, another in Germany. Anyway, so we reconnected and it's been this group chat, like literally all weekend. <laughs> and it's been so cool. That is really cool. I love reconnecting with people. That's awesome. Yeah. If there's, I mean, it's a little emotional because I miss them, you know, and like, it's just also, I don't know, there's anyway but it's been really really wonderful so good. it's good for good for the soul yeah in terms of getting pumped up it's the game of thrones theme song <laughs> is that your answer no but it should be oh I, I gotta do you're, that from now you're on you're such a nerd oh my gosh <laughs> I was totally kidding but the fact that you were like oh my gosh yes that's gonna be from now on anyway what is it um, I know you've got one I've got two. No, I'm going to just do one. I got um, Highwaymen by the Highwaymen, which is Johnny Cash's like super band with Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson and Amazing. Waylon Jennings. And that's my Johnny Cash is my higher power. And that's a whole story in and of itself. But I love it. Yeah. So. Very good. I could see you getting pumped up for that. It's, a best. it's the best. I love it. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that Johnny Cash is does that for you <laughs> thank you you're welcome very good very good carolyn what's good and tell me your higher or not your higher power <laughs> tell uh, me your pumped up song um how are you first of all um okay <laughs> um, i can relate to that answer <laughs> um i don't know i mean like I haven't been feeling well, like physically lately. Mm. Um, so that's kind of been like hard on I me mean, mentally. Totally. But I don't know. I'm okay now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I want to say something, but then I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to put this on there, but I'll tell you guys another time. Of like, sure. Oh. <laughs> it's just because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, okay. no, I understand that. Um, but yeah, so hopefully things are going to happen. Good. Um, and if not, I don't know, I'll keep trying. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you know what I'm talking about now. I don't know. Potentially. But anyways, we'll talk. So yeah. And then I guess anything by Fletcher. I don't oh, know if Fletcher. Fletcher. I freaking love her. 
I'm Dude, so she's fire. I, I love, I, I love her so much. Um, I like all of her sex with Max, like all of the songs, but I think my favorite one, like out of all her songs is probably Undrunk. I don't know yeah. why. I wish I could have been yeah. undrunk. Oh my God, I wait, I think yeah. I know what you were talking yeah. about talking about yeah it's so no, good well, well we can talk about it yeah. <laughs> it's like just, Fletcher um, is great Fletcher yeah, is very good her. my wife loves Fletcher as well oh, so too. and if you don't know Fletcher Becca you should google her or listen to some of her music Michelle, I think I like Shannon her. um Shannon in the city one time yeah and, she took a of us and I was like oh love. So Fletcher's great yeah good good choice oh, she pumps me up too love that oh that's it really I guess very good well I'm so glad that you're here and I know that you are a very complex being you've got a lot to share you have a lot of experiences you've been through a freaking hell of a lot um so I think we'll start with you kind of just telling us what brings you here like what why are you so passionate about mental health oh I feel like I've been through so much in my life starting when I was like born <laughs> and it just always made me feel like there's something wrong with me and that nobody understood me and I always thought there must be a reason that I've been through so much and maybe the reason was that I'm supposed to help other people mm. because otherwise like why would this happen to me um so I don't know. I just wanted to share my stories, like the million of them, just to maybe help at least one person. Because I feel like there's so many things that I've gone through that at least, you know, like one person has to be, you know, feeling the same thing as me. And I don't know. It's just really important to me because I don't want anybody to feel alone like I did. I don't want anybody to feel like there's not any like way out or there's no hope um I want people to know that they are worthy of recovery and worthy of self-love and you don't have to listen to negative people in your life preach girl especially if you know just because they're family members it doesn't matter like people are toxic it doesn't doesn't matter if they're you know your your girlfriend your boyfriend your family member like people can be toxic and you need to get away from it and I don't know it's just really important to me I don't I don't want anyone to feel alone I, I love that and I, I know me that too. that is like one of your your biggest messages and I think it's so important because what you say like you don't want anyone to feel the things that you felt mm-hmm. or the experiences that you've experienced can you tell us a little bit about your own personal journey and what mental health or how mental health has played a role in your life yeah um, big question. I know. So start, <laughs> start anywhere. It doesn't have to be chronological or anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of my issues started when I was younger because my dad left and mm-hmm. it's so, it's so, it seems so silly because I'm 34. And then you were saying like, Oh, young people. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm young, but you're I'm young girl. You um, are. You are young, but, um, yeah. And you look 12, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. It just affected me my whole life because I just had like a fear of abandonment and then other people in my, in like that side of my family also left or I guess were taken away because my mom and my stepdad didn't want that like near me. Um, 
So I just felt like I was abandoned my whole life. And then that made me depressed. Um, and then I had a lot of anxiety, shockingly. Um, and I had ADHD, so that was fun. Um, and even when I was little, I had migraines and like I would throw up and mm. they told me it was just from like anxiety and stress. And I'm like, but I'm six years old. Like what six-year-old has anxiety? Like why am I getting migraines at six? Like are you sure you don't have a brain tumor? <laughs> and like, I've had like millions of tests. They're like, no, you don't have a brain tumor. You'd be dead by now. Like you have anxiety. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Wow. And then like at seventh six, grade, this was happening for you when you were six years old. Yeah. I'd have to like, my mom would pick me up from school at like six years old to because I would be throwing up in school and like even remember even in like fifth grade or sixth grade you know how you have to like switch like classes and like, mm-hmm. the bell and like the locker I don't know why but for some reason that stressed me out so much that I threw up in class like every day and I would have to leave and I would just have to migrant and I would sweat and like I couldn't look at light mm. and only because I don't know why like it would just freak me out over like the littlest things like yeah. Like, what if I forget my locker combination? Like, who cares? That is so true, though. Right. I feel like that really, that, that like, is anxiety provoking for a lot of people. I feel like you're not alone in that. And I wanted to also point out real quick, the amount of people that we've had on this podcast that have talked about physical symptoms mm-hmm. that manifested physically, mm-hmm. where people, family members, doctors, whatever, didn't know that it was anxiety or mental health related. They just uh, like made it sound like they were sick yeah. medically. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. So many people. A lot. Oh, it's crazy. And then, um, uh, I don't know. Um, I just had a lot of anxiety and depression and that, but I was easy. It was easy for me to, I guess, pretend that everything was okay mm-hmm. because I wanted other people around me to be happy and I wanted to make friends and I thought nobody would like me if I was depressed. So I just mm-hmm. kind of like became this like bubbly person and I remember asking somebody in like seventh grade, like what people thought about me. I don't know why I just wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, oh no, everyone thinks you're so nice and you're so happy all the time. And they're confused because, you know, everyone knows you've been through so much. Like I had scoliosis. So like I had scoliosis mm-hmm. surgery when I was like 13. Um, mm-hmm. I had like hearing aids that I threw out because people made fun of me. So like everybody knew um, that I like had gone through stuff but they didn't understand how I was so happy, even though I I wasn't. I just like wanted people to think I was, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's common though, right? Like that like hiding of like, I don't want people to know that I'm hurting or I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. So I'm going to put this this act on and pretend that like everything's cool. A mask, yeah. 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 Which is like not, I don't know if it's like not okay, but. I feel like it's not really healthy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like always this really skinny person. Um, I don't know. I just was always really skinny and short. And But then the second I went through puberty, and like when I was like 14, 15. Oh, I have such a bad memory. But I was, I think I was like in eighth grade. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like I gained like 30 pounds. And I thought I was going to get taller because I was like 4'10", 4'9". You're, you're a little. Yeah. You're a little <laughs> I didn't boy. get any taller. I just gained weight and I got boobs and I was so confused because my whole life I was like this person that could eat like eight Twix bars for lunch and I wouldn't mm-hmm. gain weight and I just like 
I don't know, that's just who I was. And that was like something that I was good at, which was silly because it's like, who cares? Right. But then the second I like gained all this weight, I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't like, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm. And um, at the time, oh, I don't know. There's like so much, so many things that happened at like one time. That's like the story of my life. There's yeah. so many things that happened at oh. the same time. All the things. Yeah, All seriously. I think like around the so, time I was going through puberty, like my, my, my cousin found me and then who I haven't talked to in like years. And then she found my dad who I haven't talked to since I was like seven. So I think that also like played a part mm-hmm. in my eating disorder that started around that time. Um, I don't know. I was just like, it was just a, like a whole a lot thing. of things. A lot. Yeah. So you, you were still this anxious thing, right? That was like trying to navigate life and yeah. puberty and growing up and high school and all of the things. And you said earlier, right, that you would just pretend that everything was good mm-hmm. and that you were feeling fine and that you had everything situated and all together. But eventually, mm-hmm. I'm sure that catches up to you, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that catches up to you and you start to kind of go down a path that is not the, the best, not the best. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, about how your disordered eating or your relationship with food and control and stuff. What does that, when does that play or come into play? Um, we went to Italy when I was 15 mm. with my grandmother, who was not the nicest. Oh, and- grandma she uh we were there for I think like a month and a half wow. and it was like the summer before 10th grade and she just blamed me every day for things like my mom leaving home which made no sense because I was wasn't even born yet but she I don't know she just like she blamed me for ruining my mom's life oh my god and um She's told me I was just like my dad, which is something that I get really triggered by. Everyone says it now because I don't want to be like anything like him. Like he did a lot of drugs and um, not that that's like a bad, I mean, I don't know. Not that I want to say anything bad about people that like do drugs. God, how know. dare you? Yeah, I, <laughs> I like know. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <But like to laughs> me in my head, it was always like, he left me for drugs and alcohol. Like how dare sure. you say that? No, like things like that. Yeah. No, people who do drugs and alcohol, like that's the thing about it is like, I feel like oftentimes people are like, well, I know that like it wasn't them, it was the drugs and alcohol, but like it explains it, but it doesn't excuse Yeah. Them. Like, oh, look at that wisdom, Becca <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's why there's steps in yeah. recovery that, you know, anyway, go on. Um, okay. So you're in Italy with your not so nice grandma. Yeah. And she kept telling me I was fat and to lose weight and to exercise and to go running and to like eat rice and like, I don't know, all those weird things. And I was 15, I'd never been on a diet before. I had no idea what a diet meant, like no idea. Um, there wasn't like YouTube back then and things like that. Um, so I kind of just like listened to whatever she told me. Um, and then, I don't know, like I just started to like skip meals and then just like cry in my, in my room every night. Um, because you felt bad about yourself? Yeah. And I would like sneak Nutella that she had in the house. Um, so many like embarrassing things. But it's not embarrassing. <laughs> like there are things that like were part of your 
like of your journey and mm-hmm. part of your symptoms. Like that's part of yeah. a lot of, you know, things that we do when we are not our best self or not things that we look back on and we're like, wow, that was great. I love that about myself. There was one time, like I, we were at like some festival and it was like, I don't know, it was like a hundred degrees or something. And I stole this like chocolate bar from this plate, from this festival or just like chocolate. I don't remember what it was, chocolate something. And for some reason I like hid it in my bra because I was like afraid that somebody would see me or my grandma would see me. And then by the time I got to like, like the house and like into my bedroom, it had like melted in my bra. And so I don't know to me, I don't know why that was just so embarrassing to me. Like what, I don't know. I just thought like, who does this? Like who hides chocolate in the bra? And then it just like melted and I had to like throw my bra away. And I was <laughs> like, oh, like what a loser. I mean, not what a loser, but like at the time I was just like embarrassed of like myself. Yeah. Right. And you were doing like what you thought like in your mind at that time, like what you thought you needed to do and you were hearing all of these like outside people telling you things and it was probably something because you struggle with anxiety you're yeah. probably like holy crap like what do I do with this how do yeah. I manage this what is happening so you probably were making irrational choices and do you know how like everybody always compliments people that lose weight and it's like yes they're always like oh what a great accomplishment and so I would take that as like oh if I lose weight people think that I'm good at something Ah. Um, and like we had this like relative there who had lost weight because they went running every day so I was like okay I'm gonna do that and then so like every time I go running my grandma would be like whoa bravo bravo like very good very good like and so like I would feel like oh okay like I'm good at something and so yes, I was like, running every day. oh I just can't I can't stand it um and then for some reason like the last day when we were like about to get on the plane to go back to America I don't know why, like, we, we even know where, like, I got this idea from, but I decided, like, that d- would be the day that I would throw up my food, mm-hmm. and that just, like, became, like, the first day that changed my life. And, and just, did you, did you see that behavior, like, anywhere, like, in media or amongst your friend group? Like, how did you know, like, I'm going to throw up my food? Like, I don't know. I yeah. just like, looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't want this Nutella in me anymore. I don't want this coffee in me anymore. I don't want these biscottis in me anymore. I just want it out mm-hmm. and like threw it up. And then like, of course, after that, like I read on the internet, like, you know, I went on like, you know, pro Anna and pro Mia, like what's the internet? So horrible. The um, internet is a oh, web crazy. of disaster. It's horrible. That damn um, internet. But yeah, so. That's so you went on the internet and you found like people almost like praising what you were doing Mm -hmm. like people saying like this behavior is beautiful is sexy is trendy is cool and like right and like that is the person like that you were like striving to be Mm -hmm. this beautiful cool trendy person and so this was attractive to you I was Mm. like if I can be good at this then at least I've accomplished something in my life, even though I'm mm-hmm. not going to school because I'm my ADHD and because I can't hear that well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. I just thought this is something that I can do. This is something I'll be good at. Mm. I just want to be skinny. I don't it like- It was like a competitive thing. Yeah, it was like competitive, like, yeah, to, compared to like everybody else and compared to myself. Like, I wanted to get back to who I was before I gained all that weight from puberty. Like, I just wanted to be that girl again. Sure. I don't know. I, 
I don't know. And like all of a sudden I couldn't fake like my bubbly personality anymore. Like I just cried every day. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just, it was just so sad. And I think a lot of times, at least for me, when I was really deep in my like disordered eating, <clears throat> it was super secretive and it was super isolating Mm-hmm. because you didn't want anyone to catch you or anyone to find out your mm-hmm. thing right because I I relate to you in the sense that like it was my thing mm-hmm. like it was my thing that I could control that I was good at whatever and I didn't want anybody to know so I did all of this stuff very privately and it became very isolating and like made like really exhausting mm-hmm. because it was constant constant and it was just very depressing because it was all me by myself mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, my parents and my friends knew that I wasn't eating because I would, you know, wouldn't be there for dinner. And then my parents would force me to eat. One time he like, my stepdad like shoved pancakes down my throat to balance mm-hmm. on time. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like in the beginning, they were very like <sighs> overreacting a little bit. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't feel like sick enough for them to be, Wow. about me um but I try to hide like the bulimia part of it I guess like I would sneak food I would sneak like laxatives I would sneak like diet pills I would sneak throwing up like nobody I mean they knew but I thought they didn't know because I would like throw up in my room and I don't want to like trigger anybody though like I don't know I'm scared well we we have a trigger warning that we put okay. at the okay. beginning of every episode but okay. I mean this is this is very real to your yeah. story. And it's something that I feel like, you know, people yeah. will relate to and you'll be able to say like, you're not alone. Right. Yana. Cause a lot yeah. of people, like, I feel like glamorize eating disorders and it's like, it's, there's a lot of things that people don't talk about. Like the, a lot of like, di- like disgusting things that people do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to call it disgusting cause maybe that's mean, but they're not glamorous things. Like, yeah laxatives like are not glamorous like diet teas or skinny teas like are not glamorous and I hate when they're like promoted on the internet on like Instagram because they're not good for you yeah it's it's hard that like diet culture right Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. the society has praised like there's a there's a gum and a and a tea and a pill and a vitamin and a whatever for every single thing and people are so drawn to that but it really encourages a lot of disordered thinking or like disordered behavior it may not be like an eating disorder clinically but it might really encourage disordered thinking it makes me so angry but I don't it is it's it is it is tough but what so after a while, you were in a place where your disordered eating was like taking over your life, mm-hmm. where it became like a daily, mm-hmm. all day, every day kind of process for you. Um, I like went to treatment. Mm-hmm. My parents forced me to go to treatment. Okay. So you were forced into treatment. <laughs> yeah. And how was that for you being forced to go to treatment? Was it was it- traumatizing. Tell me um, more about that. Yeah. I think that I, I went there when I wasn't, I don't know how to say this. Like ready? In my head, ready. Yeah, I wasn't ready and I wasn't skinny enough in my head. So I mm-hmm. went there and I just compared myself to other people there. And I thought they were going to look at me and be like, why is she here? She's not skinny like us. And 
not accomplished as, enough as us, like us, and mm -hmm. not like on the verge of death, like us. And I was just mad at my parents for making me go there. I have to just say, like, <laughs> Um, cause I know that there are parallels between like addiction and mm -hmm. disordered eating and stuff. And like, that was something for me too, was like, when I first tried to get sober, you know, I didn't think that I was actually an alcoholic because like, you know, I went to an AA meeting and like, I didn't have all I the, remember what you said, I forgot you said something like you're an alcohol abuser or something. So, something like that, right? Misuser. Yeah, misuser, yeah. <laughs> if I learned how to use them correctly, <laughs> I would have been fine. <laughs> like, you know, if I if it, yeah. you learned how to, you know, eat or, you know, do the, I don't yeah. know, where you weren't like sick, it would be fine, yeah. right? Like it's, it's. Yeah. Like the games you play with, with your mind to like. Yeah. Oh. But, well, because um, there's so much shame, I feel like associated with those titles, mm -hmm. right? Like there's, so, you don't want to be an alcoholic. Right. You don't want to have an eating disorder. Or you don't want to have a mental illness because society has painted us as these like violent, like out of control, like really negative images of people living with addiction and or mental health challenges. So we don't ever want to stay. We struggle with them because of the way society has created us. So we say anything else like, oh yes, I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol or an, an I sometimes struggle with, you know, with food. Yeah. Like that's stuff I would say, like I sometimes me and food don't really get along really well. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? What does right. that mean? But like, I couldn't say like, oh yeah, I have an eating disorder because that means that I'm like crazy. So society, man, has gotten yeah. us all kinds of, all kinds of wild. So you're at treatment against yeah. your will and you complete treatment. Like how does, what does treatment look for, like for you? Um, it was for a month. And I think because I wasn't ready, I didn't take my treatment as like, I'm going to get better. I took it as I'm going to learn from the people in here and I'm going to learn tips. And I lost weight after getting out of there because I learned all the tips and, and um, like jail. So great. Mm -hmm. And then also they put me on like Prozac and then they put me on like, or no, well, I shouldn't say that, but they put me on like antidepressants and then they put me on ADD medicine. And mm. I think like the ADD medicine plus the tips like helped me lose weight really fast. Mm -hmm. And so I was really happy after that. Mm -hmm. um, or I thought I was really happy, but I felt like really good about myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, it just got worse. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like, I got information from like the, I got like, it wasn't Instagram obviously, but I got like phone numbers from these people. So I would chat with them afterwards. And I don't know, it was just so embarrassing like, the amount of time I spent alone in my room because I didn't yeah. want to go outside. Mm -hmm. and I would rather like be in my bedroom by myself like watching a movie and like eating Nutella and then throwing it up or like mm -hmm. I don't know it's just like all these stupid things I learned like yeah. I learned like blast your music and then like throw up in the garbage can so nobody will right, know like all of the all of the things and I feel yeah. like that's common right like there are sometimes like 
after you come home from treatment, there's sometimes like, I feel like people think like, oh, I went to treatment. Like I'm well, I'm perfect. Or if I go to treatment, everything's going to disappear, but it only really is effective if you are ready for it Mm -hmm. to be effective. Can I ask a question? Like, so, because, you know, like I said, I don't um, struggle with disorder or I haven't struggled with disordered eating. So like when you're doing things like that, like throwing up or, you know, using laxatives, like, does that feel good? Or laxatives do not feel good like at all. They're like, (laughs) no, (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine, but like, is there some, like, I know that it's about control, like, I know that it's about control, right? Like, but is there some sort of high that's associated? Like, does is- I felt like when I was throwing up, I was also getting rid of like all the bad feelings that I yeah. had. You know, yeah. okay. Like, okay. All okay. the like bad memories that I had, all the bad like yeah. thoughts that like I had, all the negative thoughts that my grandmother said to me that like yeah. anybody ever said to me, I thought I was like getting rid of it. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't, make, doesn't make any sense, but that's like how I felt. I don't know. I relate to that too. I I always describe it as like it was like a literal and figuratively like it was a release mm-hmm. of something mm-hmm. like a purge it, of, right like and a it like purge. Yeah. it wasn't like fun but in a weird right. like in a in a weird way it definitely was like lethar like uh what is that word i'm looking for catharsis yes there was some type of but it was so unobviously damaging in other ways right but that right. that was a release I guess was, like alcoholism literally yeah, so yeah. it was like you know the damage to yes. the body but yeah yes yeah and like self-harm like all of that like right that like physical releasing of emotion that that was yeah like the actual act of it isn't like doesn't feel physically good <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it mentally does something wild yeah that's okay cool yeah so so, so it didn't work. The treatment didn't work. No. Um, but I mean, I like, I even liked it because I went to a nutritionist and then I would follow what the nutritionist told me to eat, but I would just like cut it in half. And so I lost weight that way also. Um, and it was just also like my parents just yelled at me every single day and like I was grounded. And this is another reason why I wanted to share my story because I want parents to like, take like I don't know how to explain it I want parents to know that it's not your fault and it's not like something that, sh- that they should be grounded over or like yelled at you know over because right, you're not being you're not being defiant yeah they thought you're... I was like a little kid like not eating their dinner you know or like not eating breakfast oh. and, and I'm like no like I'm like I'm depressed like I have a mental illness like can you please treat me like you could care about me not like you're mad at me and I want other people to know that yelling at them is not the right way to handle it. Like I, I get that like they were scared and didn't know what to do, but it just made me feel worse. And it made me mm. feel like more like, like mad at myself and just like more like alone. And I just wanted to leave the house. I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, I don't know. It just made me like, really, really depressed. And I didn't, I think that's really, I'm really glad that you said that because I do think that that is oftentimes an initial response from a parent. Like, yeah. why are you doing this? Get it together. Like snap yeah. out of it. 
And with eating. Oh, exactly what he would say. Oh my God. Snap out of it. That's my, but like with eating, I can imagine, like, I know how many times, like my parents yelled at us, like, you know, you're no, don't, you're not allowed, you're not leaving the table until you finish your dinner or like, you know, you have to be a member of the clean plate club and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and then also stack on the ADD, like I had seatbelt they put a seatbelt on my chair oh my god <laughs> because I would get up and walk around I forgot about this I would get up and walk around while like when we're supposed to be at the dinner table and so they put a seatbelt on my chair oh my gosh <laughs> why <laughs> but right like instead of like oh. like automatically reprimanding maybe a parent like could say like hey Becca like what's going on like is everything okay like right is there a reason why you aren't eating um like can we talk about that instead of being like you're not getting dessert like great I don't (laughs) want it anyway like you know like there's got to be a way that parents can communicate like see this as a warning sign definitely but don't like reprimand and maybe in in involve your loved one your kid in the discussion, mm-hmm. open the door for communication. That sucks. I'm sorry that you were getting reprimanded because that that is hard. And people are like, just eat. Yeah. And the yeah, amount of times that I have been stuff like, too, like selfish or, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just like, what's wrong with you? Like nobody's ever gonna love you because you're selfish and all you care about is your weight. And so my hope, like I always thought, like nobody's ever gonna love me. Like and mm-hmm. I already felt like a weirdo because I didn't have a boyfriend I didn't want a boyfriend I wanted a girlfriend but I I didn't say anything obviously until like I was a little bit older but um but I don't know I just was like nobody's ever gonna love me you guys are right like that's it like whatever so whatever yeah just whatever so after your after treatment number one and you come home and you're navigating the real world with your eating disorder what other things come up for you in regards to your mental health um I mean anything else in emerge? High school, it was mostly just my eating disorder and depression so that was fun um and then I good, good I, combo. I visited my dad um in Florida when I was in 11th grade and that also made my eating disorder worse <laughs> again mm-hmm. so like I didn't eat for like a month like I ate like, like, you know, obviously I didn't not eat the entire month, but like I ate very, yeah, very little. Yeah. And, um, and I fainted on a train. So that was cool. Um, like after I came home, like, and I went to like, I don't know, took the Long Island Railroad, if you guys know, yeah. maybe not, yeah. uh, to see my friend in Queens. And then like on the way home to Long Island, I like passed on the train. So my parents were mad at me for that. Um, and so I went into treatment again. So that was cool. Um, how, are you, how was your mind? Were you more open this time or were yeah, you still I was, pissed? I was scared because okay. um, I don't know, like I didn't, I don't know, like I didn't want to die. And I, mm. I don't know, I just wanted to like be near death because I felt like that was an accomplishment. It sounds so stupid, but like, that's how I felt. Well, you, um, I just think you were trying to see how, how far, yeah, far how far you could go, like test yeah. your bound, test your limits, yeah. Um. Oh yeah, so like when I was in Florida, I don't know, my dad just like he kept bashing my mom and stuff, and telling me like it was it was my mom's fault for everything and oh. whatever, like it was her that 
started like you know the drugs and stuff and not him and i'm like calm down you were 30 she was 16 like you're lying um and then he offered me a blunt and a plate of spaghetti and i was like i'm 16 17 like i don't smoke weed thank you um and i didn't want the spaghetti um so it's just like not a good time right so that triggered some things for you that like made me more depressed and it made me like you know not want to eat at all um so i went back to treatment then and that's where I met another friend there that I talked to for a long time, but then I recently blocked her because she's still struggling. So mm-hmm. I was like, I can't hit, deal with you right now. Right, right. Um, I understand that. But yeah, so um, so we became friends and like, I don't know, like I wanted to get better, but then it was hard because we kept like going back and forth with each other. Like, oh, this is what we should do. And oh, then- like competing against each other. Yeah. And then I had like another friend where we would like write down like in our journals, like what we ate that day mm-hmm. and like know. compare. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really go well until um, like the summer before college, like right after high school, I wanted to be like normal and like drink with my friends. Cause I never drank in high school. Cause I didn't want to be like my dad and like my mom and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to gain weight. And so, yeah. Yeah, but then um, I, I don't know, for some reason I was like, no, I want to be normal. I want to drink with my friends. And like, you know what? I'm just going to eat. Like, who cares? And um, so I would eat like, I don't know. Do you guys remember like those big bags of like smart food popcorn? Yes. Yum. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. I, ate, like, I would get drunk with my friends and I would eat like an entire bag. And I, get, I gained like 30 pounds in like one summer. And I don't, and I was like, no, I don't care. Like I pretended I didn't care because I just got drunk every day with my friends. Like, who cares? And then I smoked weed and blah, blah, blah. And then um, I met my first girlfriend. Um, It was like the winter time, like winter break from college. Because like I went to community college, but my friend who like also had an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. um, he met this girl in college, Maryland. And then um, we like met them in the city. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It was just like me and my friend and then like another friend. And he was like, oh, like you got to be, you know, we have to meet up with my friend, Jolene, whatever. And I was like, oh, she's going to be like, she's going to be like, oh, put me on, whatever. Put me on blast. So you met this girl. Wait, let's take a break. Let's take a break right now. No, this is good. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about this next chapter. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. We are back and we were just about to get into the story of the, of the girlfriend, of, the, of this girlfriend. And now, where are we? Yes. Um, so yeah, it was Christmas break and I met my friend's college friend and I didn't think that I would like her because I just, at the time, I just wanted to hang out with my friend because I haven't seen him in a couple months. And little did I know, like we became inseparable that like after that day and we hung out all the time, but she also had an eating disorder. So we kind of Uh, triggered each other, I guess. And um, she also was an alcoholic. Um, So we just drank every day and I don't know, I guess like I don't know. We kind of triggered each other with our eating disorders and did a lot of stupid things 
but I was in love, so I didn't care. I just mm. wanted to be with her. I was like, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. Sure. You want to do shrooms? We'll do shrooms. Sure. You want to do this? We'll do this. Like, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I didn't even have my own thoughts anymore. Like, I just wanted to be with her. And, yeah. I can relate uh, to that. And I feel like back oh, to like your beginning of your story, like all you've ever wanted to do was fit in. Yeah. And like be, be validated and valued and accepted and you were like, cool, you want to, you're going to love me more if I do X, Y, Z, then I'll do it. And this was also your first girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. I, I told my mom and she, I don't know, that I like had a girlfriend and she was like, yeah, like, it's not like a su- surprise. No big. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Cause I like never like cried about a boy like ever, but whenever like me and this girl would have a fight, like I would come home crying and stuff so I don't know like I never had a boyfriend in high school or anything so I don't know my parents weren't shocked I mean my stepdad was like oh this is against my religion blah 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 Uh, but um other than that like they didn't they weren't shocked okay um and so that was fun um Mm -hmm. and so my injury wasn't good then and then I was drinking a lot and then we were together, like, on and off um, from, like, 19 until 20. And then when I was 20, I got raped by this mm-hmm. guy at a party. Uh, it's, like, a long story, and, like, I guess we don't have time to talk about it, but so, yeah. So, um, I, I honor that experience, just so yeah. you know. Like, that's an experience that is not something that should just be, like, oh, well, and this happened to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I, I broke up with her because I couldn't, like, I don't know, I couldn't handle a relationship at the time. And then I started doing a lot of things that I thought were me, like, growing up or me just being in my 20s, I don't know, or being with my friends. Um, I started doing, like, drugs and I started drinking more with my friends, even more than I was before. I started throwing up every single day again. Um, I started sleeping around with people for revenge. I don't know why I thought that mm. like, I don't know why I thought that would make me feel better. Um, and I don't know, I just want people to know like there's other ways to handle it and like going, going through something traumatic. And even if that is your way, like you don't have to beat yourself up about it because everyone handles things differently. And yeah, we talked about those things like yeah. as like negative coping skills right mm-hmm. that like sometimes like we're going through a lot of stuff like trauma or mm-hmm. feelings of depression or isolation or whatever and we do we we choose to do things that make us feel better in that moment and a lot of those things that you describe I feel like are very common things that people turn to to make them feel better or what they think is feeling yeah better. but for a long time I didn't feel like I don't know I just I thought I was just like growing up and I didn't really connect it with like my rape and mm-hmm. other things. I just thought this is what I'm doing now. This is what I do. Yeah. This is what my friends are doing, whatever. And then, um, can I just pull out one thing you just yeah, said that yeah, I think fine. is really interesting that you said it was like for revenge. Yeah. And I thought that was something really interesting because I think that I've heard people say that before. And I think I've felt that too. Like, um, 
with suicidal ideation. Like if I do this, they'll, they'll, um, that'll show them, or, you know, if I hurt myself or, you know, all those kinds of things where, and so then people think it's like an attention seeking behavior. They see it that way or, but it's like this hate this, like, feel like it's from this like deep seated, like self-loathing and anger and trauma. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I think that is such an interesting. Okay. I don't feel like such a, like a freak. I was like, what's wrong? No, no, I definitely have felt that way before. And, you know, and it's not like this, it's not always a conscious decision. Like it's like a, yeah, I think that that's really, I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's something people feel like they want to hide. And yeah, it is. I did hide it for a long time, especially as a lesbian. I was like, people would look at me and be like, but you're sleeping with all these men, right? Like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. And to me, and it's like, the rapist didn't know that I was sleeping with men. Like when I stand and be like, hey, bye. Like, no, like he didn't know that. And like the men didn't care. Like they don't want a relationship. Like, but in my head, I was like, oh, if I just give them a one night stand, like that's it. Like, you know, I don't know who I thought it was hurting. Like, I don't know, it was hurting me. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't hurting them. It wasn't hurting like the guys who raped me. Like he didn't even know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know why, even if he did know, like, why would that matter? Like, right. I, but I don't know. Sometimes like in our own attempt to process trauma or like to process whatever we have, we think we know the cure. We think we know what works. We think we know what's going to help us. And when we look back on it, we're like, what the heck was I trying to accomplish here? Because sometimes like we, we lead with like, desperate like we're, we we're so desperate to feel better or to feel different that we sometimes don't make rational choices or we think we're doing what's best for us and we really have no idea what's happening around us we're not grounded in reality as becca always says <laughs> and looking back with your well mind you're like dang like there are some things, man, that I thought were going to work for me, I but right. So I think that's a really common reaction for people to make decisions and yeah. to do things that they may not typically do, um, you know, and they're well. I like went to the hospital again, cause that was fun. Um, for like, I don't know, I guess just depression this time and stuff. And that it was like, mm, I think I was 20. Oh, I such a bad memory, but I think I was 21. And that's when I realized they were like, oh, you have PTSD. That's why you've been doing all this stuff mm. since then. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not like us, whatever. Like I get it now. Um, and so that's like when I stopped doing those type of things, but I still mm-hmm. like drugs and alcohol, but I stopped sleeping around. Um, and I got back with Jolene. So that was fun. Um, and then I had two friends die when I was 22 from like a drug overdose. Mm. And my aunt died from a brain aneurysm, just like randomly, like outside of a hospital. And I think that is like what made me realize like I need to calm down, like I need to stop drinking, I need to stop doing drugs. Like, like I'm not invincible just because I'm young. Like, oh you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that like. I don't know that like 22 was like a really hard year for me um I I had like a a different breakup like not with Jolene but like a different girl 
Mm-hmm. And uh, like I moved in with her and then she cheated on me with her ex-girlfriend on Valentine's Day. Oh. I like had to move home. And so it was just like a really hard year for me. And um, I don't know, that's when, it, when I realized I needed to like grow up and stop. Not that it's like we're not growing up for doing things, but in my Sure, head, sure. Yeah. So I just stopped doing those things. Um, and then, but I still had trouble with my eating because I don't know, I feel like I just never, never went away. Um, and then when I was 24, I was in a relationship that was like two, two and a half years and I mean, on and off. And that was like a really, I don't know how to explain it. It was a really like big part part of my life. Like that relationship, it affected me like a lot. Um, but I, in the beginning of it, um, I was still really bad with my eating disorder and she wasn't going to be with me if I was still like going through it. Yeah. So I tried to like pretend that I was okay. Ah. Um, but also I had gotten kidney stones from like over exercising and taking mm-hmm. messages and diet pills and not drinking enough water and all these things that are not good for you. Right. And it was like really, really big kidney stone, like nine millimeters. I couldn't like walk. It was really horrible. Yeah. I was in so oh, funny. It was really, really bad. Um, and I was, that's like when I was like, okay, like Carolyn, you need to stop. So I kind of got better after that for a little while um, because I don't know, I was scared. Um, yeah, of course, that kind of yeah, stuff is yeah. scary when you are like really seeing like the physical impact yeah. of of your eating disorder, totally. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that helped me. Um, I can't even did, did you go? Did you go back to treatment or were no, you No, I just got like, my, my kidney stones like blasted and like that was really it. And then um, you were motivated from then. Yeah, I mean, there's still points where I was like, oh, like we're going on a date like, or like, cause she went away to school like in Pennsylvania. And so I would see her like only on the weekends or like every other weekend when I went there, she came home or like you know, yeah. summertime. So like whenever like we, she would come here or like I would go there sometimes like I would never throw up anymore for like the longest time, but I would sometimes like only an apple or whatever. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know why I was obsessed. Like, no, my stomach has to be flat when I see her. Like I haven't seen her in like a week. And um, you still struggled with like some yeah, symptoms. Yeah. But, um, but when I was around her, like I had to eat, otherwise she would you get into a big fight. So I don't know. I always say like, she like saved my life a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was not a healthy relationship. She wasn't nice to me. Um, and she had like a lot of commitment issues. Yeah. She like moved to Philadelphia without telling, well, no, without, without me, even though it was like our whole plan to move together, like oh, gosh. time. And yeah. I like already like a job and stuff. So, and I like, packed up all my bags and then she decided she wasn't ready for commitment. So after like two and a half years, yeah. so she went to Philly without me. And I always wanted to move to Philly, which is why I'm like now like, Michelle, let's move. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that was fun time. And then I moved to Rhode Island because I don't know, that's like another place I wanted to live. And I just thought, I can't be in New York. Everything here reminds me of her. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to be here anymore. Um, I couldn't even sleep in my own bed for like months because um, it just reminded me of her and like all the time. Yeah. My bed together. So I slept on the couch for a long time and it was so pathetic because I'm just like, get over her. Like, what's wrong with you? Oh, gosh. But um, it was horrible. So yeah, that was fun. Um, 
I don't know. And then after that, I'm single for a long time. And I, I guess like veganism kind of like helped me with my eating disorder. Okay. Um, Are you a vegan now? I was a vegan for a long time. But then <laughs> I recently started eating chicken and dairy again because okay. I don't know. I'm trying to say it. I'm like, trying to like get pregnant. <laughs> So, Yay! That's what I thought you I knew it. Beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I don't know. My my period came, so I'm not pregnant. But um, um try again, I guess next week or something. Yeah. Uh, yes, try, try, um, try again. I know. It's so annoying. I feel like it takes some people like so fast and then Yeah. So, anyway, but yeah. It's so a process and it's yeah. more complicated with two females. That's I know, I had no idea. Like I was like, well, I don't understand. Like I didn't know like all these like little like I didn't know you were only like for like a couple of days like I have no idea yes girl there's <laughs> it's a whole process I know it's crazy but um, <laughs> well I'm excited you have to keep us posted I will yeah I just don't want to jinx it but yeah so um so yeah I started eating now like more stuff because I don't know I thought maybe it would help me yeah no I, I think that's know. great so tell me a little bit because I want to I want to see wh- what was your like your turning your like final turning point where you were like that I want to commit myself to my recovery Um, and do better for my life and myself okay so I guess it was like this is so embarrassing because it's like it's not stop saying it's embarrassing (laughs) this is part of your story 31 31 um and I'm 34 now so it's like not that long ago but um I don't know I feel like mentally it's always there but you just have to like I don't know block it out and like distract yourself but when I was 31 I was going through a lot also and through another breakup and then um it was like right before I met Michelle and actually I went through two breakups like back to back so that was fun um and my my brother like like went blind like a few years before that and like for some reason that like hurt me more than anything that's ever like happened in my life which makes I don't know no sense really but it's just like something that I wasn't like prepared for and he's like mm-hmm. my baby brother so it wasn't just like affecting me it's affecting like him mm-hmm. and like I taught him how to read and now he can't read like he reads now like but like obviously like you know listening and stuff it's really smart right but it just like upsets me um so I like focused on that a lot and then after my breakups, I started throwing up a lot every day again because I don't know, that's just like how I dealt with it. But I started writing a lot more because I really wanted to like write my book to help other people. And I figured like if I'm still throwing up and stuff, I can't really help anybody else. Mm. And then also since I was throwing up a lot, I threw up blood in my sleep through, like two nights in a row. It was super, super scary because I woke up at like 2 a.m. Two nights in a row, with, like blood all over my pillow, all over my sheet, oh, all over my mouth. Oh my gosh, that must have been so scary. It was really scary. I thought I was dying. So, yeah, and they were like, oh, this is, you know, from throwing up 10 times a day, like whatever, like Mm. all your, all these years and drinking too much coffee and stuff. So I like quit coffee, I quit throwing up. And I don't know, like ever since then, like that's like the last time I threw up was like that time. So long time now I mean like that is a long time honor that that's a huge deal um I mean I still have acid reflux sometimes so Mm -hmm. I still 
it still comes up sometimes, but I'm like trying to like, you know, not work on that coffee and stuff. Yeah. Um, not quick coffee because I'm trying to get pregnant, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know, like, yeah, I guess I'm not that bad now, but like for a long time, like I had acid reflux and it like bothered me because I'm like, I'm not even trying to throw up anymore. It just keeps happening. But, um, and that made me feel bad about myself because it just reminded me of like, what yeah. to my body, but. Right now I, I get know. that. I get that feeling every time I go to the dentist. Oh Yeah. Every time I go to the dentist, I'm reminded of yeah, like what like, I. Oh, you have so many cavities. I'm like, thank you. I know. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, yeah. tell me. So now you you found Michelle. Mm-hmm. You found Michelle, and you decided that you wanted better for yourself and better mm-hmm. for your life. And you guys, she's a she's a, she is such a light. She is a wonderful she's human. A, a, yeah. Um, and so tell us a little bit about I guess some of the things that you've done together. Um, tell us a little bit about your book yeah. and where you're at with that and kind of how you're living your life of recovery now. Um, I always wanted to share my story, but I was just afraid of what I guess my family would think sharing my story or like my friends um, or just like anybody that I worked with. Um, but then I met Michelle and she's so open about her mental illness and sharing her story to help others and like end the stigma. It really is. So I, I don't know, like she is encouraging me to open up more. And so I don't know, I just kind of like dedicated my life to sharing my story and sharing other people's stories. And I don't know, like writing more and really focusing on my recovery like for the first time like ever yeah because it took it just was like such an on and off process my whole it's a journey man yeah. recovery is I, not linear no. <laughs> like it is it is not an easy no. like one-way street to recovery world yeah. it and is a think, like oh if you gain weight like you're fixed and it's like no it's still mentally there um right and i don't know it's just like I feel like the same with alcohol, like just because you're not drinking, like it's still mentally there. Oh, it is. And it sure is. Pandemic, like <laughs> yeah. my friend, um, or not my, well, she's still my best friend now, Jolene, um, my first girlfriend. Mm. She was saying that she has trouble now during the pandemic. And so like, I kind of talk to her every day, but um, I don't know. It's like, it's really still like mentally a problem, but I, I just try to talk to people every day. I try Good. to listen to people's stories. If I see somebody like, talk about how they're upset or they you know don't want to eat that day or whatever it is I try to talk to people on Instagram um YouTube um you have a YouTube channel where can people find you on YouTube um I don't have that many followers or subscribers whatever it's called um (laughs) but breathe positivity Um, that's spelled normal breathe positivity yeah same as like my Instagram and okay, we love that. We'll put that in the show notes too, okay, so people yes. know where to um, find you. Yeah, I and what is your book called? Tell people what di- your book. Is. My book is called Diet Pills and Broken Dreams: Stories I Could Not Tell, which I ended up telling. But um, we love that. Where can we buy it? Um, my website readpositivity.com. Awesome. A website. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, we love that. We'll be buying a copy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll write you guys a little note and give you some stickers. I made some. LGBT stickers yes, uh, and some buttons. We um, love that. And, and you and your wife, notes. 
you and your wife have a business. Um, yes, getafanica.nyc. Um, we used to do like pop-ups in the city. Obviously, we don't now because of the pandemic. But um, she sells clothing and leggings and um, artwork, yeah. uh, different things to and stigma and talk about schizophrenia and her story. And your wife lives with a mental health diagnosis herself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, she's pretty amazing because- Yes, she is amazing. And together you guys really just spread so much awareness and hope to people. And it's an, it's inspiring really. And I think that it's, it's so needed and so important to have conversations like the ones that you guys mm-hmm. facilitate, the ones that you have today. And I know she has a podcast where yeah. she talks a lot about her journey as well. Um, you guys are awesome. How are yeah. you doing today? Like, what are you, what are you doing every single day for your recovery? Oh, I mean, I really miss hiking. That's like a thing that really helps yeah. me, but it's too cold out now. And I really don't want to like travel to the pandemic, but um, yeah. But yeah, you're still hiking a lot and I just, I write a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I try to just talk to a lot of people every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to group therapy, like on Zoom. Good. Awesome. Monday night. So tonight it's seven. Um, sometimes I go to another one that my friend goes to. It's like on Zoom, but it's people in Boston that I just don't mm-hmm. know from New York. That's um, awesome. And I don't know. I just, I talk to people all day long because I have nothing else to do because I'm not working. There's so much power in storytelling. Like there's so much power in that like peer connection. Yeah. Um, So I love that you make it a point every single day to do something for your recovery. Um, And I think that that is what pushes us through. That is what keeps us going is that accountability and that support Mm -hmm. and that love from, from our peers. So I love that. And I think that you guys are great. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I want to end, um, with asking you our infamous question that if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would you tell her? That you are worthy of love, no matter what people say, um, things do get better. Um, it's okay that you're gay <laughs> and you're not a weirdo. Um, I don't know, just that you're worthy of, I don't know, happiness and love. And yes. I don't know. Not I love it. It's going to be horrible all the time. I, I love that message. I love it. And it's so important because so many people need to hear that you're worthy of happiness and love and you're not weird. And if you are weird, who cares? Embrace it. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but I love that. And again, we'll put all of your information in our, in our show notes where we can buy your book, where we can find you on Instagram, breathe positivity, where we can find you on YouTube and all of that good stuff. Um, yeah. Becca, where can people find us? And you can find the Yana podcast on Instagram at the Yana podcast. (laughs) Awesome. And we actually have a support group that's going to be happening on Wednesdays moving forward, right? Are we doing Wednesdays Uh, or So we have a teen support group at four o'clock on Wednesdays and then Mm -hmm. also have a young adult support group. So the teen support group 
is 13 to 18. And then the young adult support group is 18 to 25. And that is on Mondays at um, six o'clock. So um, yeah, and you can get the, uh, the login information register on namiphilly.com. org. That's what I meant. <laughs> namiphilly.org. My bad. <laughs> and they're free. They're free support groups. They're all free support groups. Yeah. Confidential support groups led by um, really cool facilitators. Wow. And, yeah, Becca and another one of our <laughs> friends yeah. um, who does our support groups. And again, they're free and anyone can attend those. And we also have so many other support groups if you're interested in checking them out. They're all on our namiphilly.org website. So, yeah. That's it. We are so grateful for you. Yes. And so grateful for your story and your experience. And I know it's going to impact so many people. Um, like I said, when I first met you, you were such a light. You were such, there was so much beautiful energy that came from you and your desire to help others and to spread awareness um, that you've always held like such a special place in my mind. Like I will always remember you and Michelle, always. And we're going to so, figure out a time to get Michelle on here too. Yeah, yes. 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 So make sure you send her our love. Michelle, yes. we love you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we love you, Carolyn, and all that you I, are. Yeah. I want to like visit Philly when it's like not cold out. <laughs> yes. Come so, visit when it's not cold out and we'll figure out some time Michelle to get together. If we move there though, like, is she going to be able to like do her stuff? We'll figure out. She'll be able to do it. Yeah. She'll be able to do it. She can do cheaper, anything. It was cheaper. And I'm assuming you guys don't have as many rats on your subways. <laughs> no, less rats. Not rats, but okay. less rats. Less rats. <laughs> you are so funny. But this episode and all future episodes are going to be on Tuesdays. We release new episodes on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in sharing your story, or if you want to send someone who you think is super inspiring to us to share their story, DM mm -hmm. us on Instagram and we'll connect with you guys because this is your time to share. This is a platform for storytellers and for people with lived experience to, to be heard. So we want to hear your stories. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We will see you guys or talk to you guys or whatever next time. Next week. Next week. Yay. Peace and Peace love. And love. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the Crisis Text Line at 741-741 or go to nami.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.